Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Now, we were joined today by Adrian Smith, guitarist with Iron Maiden, and Keen Fisherman. He's written a book that that sort of melds the two. And not an obvious fishing rock and roll book, but it works, doesn't it, Andy? Yeah, I'm looking forward to Nigel Botherway being in a heavy metal band. Well, we know Keith Arthur was, don't we? With uh, Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> Alex Horn from Taskmaster joins us. He was on good form, uh, talking a bit of grassroots football, amongst yeah. other things. And Gary Bloom, the sports psychotherapist, he was very interested on Harry Maguire, wasn't he? Very interesting. And uh, we had a chat about last night's game yeah. and uh, a general chat. As other, well. other stuff. So here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Oh yes, good afternoon, everybody. And yeah, wonderful night's football yet oh, again. It was, a, it was just one of the, you know because it was it was a contest. It wasn't the greatest game we'd ever seen, but it was a contest, wasn't it, for half an hour? And then a, a player goes off and they get a penalty, and it's one nil. And the likelihood is at that point. Uh, it's going to end one nil, and that's the way it panned. I mean, England gave it a crack but and had some chances, but it was—it's just you think you've got another hour of this, and probably nothing is really going to change. The whole dynamic of the game has changed, isn't it? <laughs> we did. We were texting each other, and uh, anything that was any good is when you <laughs> said to me, "Ah, Sisto." Ah, Sisto. I thought I'd get him some advertising work. Uh, yeah, Sistos are doing it for themselves. I, I was toying with that. I couldn't really come up with anything. I've got me honest. Then I my mind had wandered. I went off on a whole thing about how he's giving the gay man appeal and blah 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 you didn't get what I was talking about I don't about. know what you were talking then about I looked at that, and that was Oxo Oxo yeah you were trying to do dodgy Bisto gags that weren't working <laughs> that's how good it was but 20 I, minutes in Martin Tomato already mentioning the discipline defending from both teams you think that's never a good sign is it in a football game <laughs> this is one for the purists I, you, I know Henry Winter took me to task and everything about international football it's just that this time of the year I mean this weekend we're going to have the Merseyside derby, the Old Firm derby, City Arsenal. Suppose we're, how can that? How can what we had last weekend be compared to what we're going to get this weekend? Yeah. It's just so tedious. This international breaks in the middle of the season—they're just boring. The football's rubbish. What did Gareth learn about this whole period? Nothing. How to how to fend off the press? That's about it. <laughs> really, the the referee though, was pretty terrible. Was he was one of those worst sorts oh, of refs that, that the that the Danes very quickly realised that if you screamed louder, you'd get the free kick. So early on, all you could hear mm. was ah, but then within <laughs> a half an hour, it's ah, 
<laughs> you could really hear the screaming. I, I got rid of the England band. I couldn't stand it. So uh, I went with a clean feed. And they were screaming. And every time... The England band even, weren't on the fake crowd. Oh, yes, they were. I couldn't hear them. Blimey, you must have zoned out. It was all England. It was all England I could band. hear England, England, but no. I couldn't hear the band. Oh, I was good. Step toe. And really? Many, well, yeah, yeah, I just I went I went with a clean feed so I could hear the high decibel Maybe I was on the, I couldn't hear that at all. But there was a lot of screaming well, going me on. Telly and if I'd heard that. Even the pen. <laughs> even the pen he gives, he doesn't give straight away. He doesn't mm. react to the challenger, he reacts to the scream from the mm. player. He was he was a poor ref. He was a pretty oh, yeah, poor ref. Poor. And I, I think what happened with Reese James was that the sort of thing you can say to a Premier League ref at the end of a game, which is no, water off a you're duck's You're a terrible back. cheat and you're well, useless. But, you know, Why don't you take a career in insurance? I just think, you know, if you're Mike <laughs> Dean or John Moss or, or Michael Oliver and he comes yeah. up and he says something he shouldn't, you think, oh, he's a kid, you know, he's not thinking, he's lost, you know, yeah, go yeah. away. But... This guy is straight out with a card, oh, and I think I, I think it was an error of judgment. Mm. I think if he's learned anything last night, is that it, it, beyond Premier League referees, you can't say stuff like that and expect to get away with it. Which was silly because he was brilliant. He was England's best player. It's a very interesting piece by Jonathan Liu in the Guardian today about Mount and Grealish and about you know sort of how Mount represents the sort of academy prospect, you know, academy player, the the made good, the sort of top six player, and Grealish is more sort of like, you know... Maverick. Ruffin, Maverick, Rufford Diamond. I mean, I think Mount's a brilliant player. I don't even think that you should be even comparing the two... No. Too really, but there was a point last night where you just think, "I'll oh, bring him on." You well, know, bring, I, I did say shot. to you, didn't I? I mean, with five minutes left, that was probably five minutes too late. But with five minutes left, with a substitution yeah, yeah. left, and you're looking, we're looking more dangerous from set pieces than anything else. So why not bring him on? Why not bring him on to win Scott, some set pieces? He just doesn't rate him. That's it. He just doesn't rate him. Yeah. Otherwise, he would have brought him on. I mean, he did reason it out. He was asked mm. why he'd not played Grealish, and he said, "You know, we we needed a lot of pace. We needed a lot of runners." But you know, he brought. Calvert Lewin on and played him wide, didn't he? Instead. Yeah. So anyway, look. Um, I think Crossy, John Cross and Namira is probably right. Uh, we don't need a clamour because a clamour puts far more pressure on an England manager. Mm. When everybody's saying, "Well, why didn't he get a game and get loads of callers on Talk Sports saying this?" About Franz clamour. Franz clamour. There will be a clamour for him certainly. There certainly was in Austria all those years ago. But if you have a, what we're better off doing yes. is saying nothing and then get Gareth under no pressure and he'll just say, "Well, I decided to play him. There was no clamour that affected me." So let's back mm. off. We'll yeah, back off probably. and let him get on with it, and we'll see what. happens bit of reverse psychology the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from talk sport Me and Jacobs here on Talk Sport. Well, uh, Monsters of uh, River and Rock is written by Adrian Smith, the guitarist of Iron Maiden. So if you like Iron Maiden, you'll love the book, of course, because there's plenty of tales from uh, Life on the Road and more with the band. If you love fishing, there's plenty for you in there. And, of course, mm. if you love both, you're in dreamland. Perfect. Uh, and Adrian joins us now. Good afternoon, Adrian. Hi, chaps. You all right? Yeah, we're good, yeah. yeah. It's, it's an interesting hybrid, this, isn't it? Because it's not many a rock and roll memoir has sort of tales of carp fishing in them. Uh, probably, I can't think of any. No, <laughs> it's, it, 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 um, it's certainly very different. Yeah, uh, and yeah, you won't find it in your average, uh, you know, rock star autobiography. Yeah. I suppose there was a period when you first started playing in bands that you you stopped going fishing because you felt it wasn't very rock and roll, wasn't it? 
No, the 70s was all about, um, you know, not being, you didn't go down the gym and you didn't do this and that, you know, you you were, you just sat around right, trying to write great songs and um, trying to be elegantly wasted, you know, like the Rolling Stones. So fishing, you know, I couldn't imagine people like uh, Richie Blackmore, you know, ledgering or Paul Kossoff uh, <laughs> you know, trying to catch carp on the, on the surface, you know, I just, I just didn't uh, seem cool. So, yeah, for 10 years I gave it up. And ironically, when I rejoined, uh, well, when I joined Iron Maiden, uh, a couple of the guys were keen anglers or lapsed anglers, should I say. So mm. I started again. So oh. it was a 10-year gap. Wow. But I felt like I had to be dedicated to my, you know, to my dream of being a, a professional musician. So sure. I just put everything else aside. It's been a real boom in fishing since lockdown. The numbers actually doing it. And I think that, and of course, um, uh, Bob Mortimer and Paul Whitehouse's show, which everybody loved. Uh, so, I mean, have you enjoyed that, that fishing has suddenly become the opposite of what you thought it was, become quite sexy? Uh, sexy fishing. Um, <laughs> actually, actually, from my point of view, I mean, it, the, the banks are a little more crowded now. All right. Uh, Rivers, I fish the River Thames a lot. You get a lot of uh, people, you know, on their boats, uh, paddle boards, swimmers. Everyone's at it, you know, which is great, uh, and a lot more, a lot more fishermen, which is great for the, uh, which is great for the, uh, you know, fishing in general. Yeah. Now, when you when you're a healthy way to, to, you know, you're it's a healthy way to spend your time. You're out, you know, the fresh air. You know, I, I do a lot of walking when I fish. You know, so you know, it's exercise. I think a lot more people are realising that certainly, which is why they're either going back to it or, or in some cases, uh, taking it up. But the uh, when when customs uh, search the bags of a rock and roll band, they probably have expectations about what they're going to find. But <laughs> worms probably wouldn't be worms, among them. No. But you you put some worms sometimes in there, wouldn't you? Just for, when you knew, and you used to often as soon as you got the band's itinerary for a tour, you'd be checking out the good fishing spots. Well, after a while, yeah, we spent a lot of time in America in the 80s. Um, and I didn't know it at the time, but um, America is full of carp. And I always associated um, carp with, uh, you know, state lakes in England. And it was very secretive, very mysterious carp fishing when I was a kid. But in America, they were everywhere. And that's actually where I caught my first carp. We were doing a gig. Uh, we were supporting the scorpions, bank called the scorpions. Yeah. Uh, we, we were we were sort of plugging our number of the Beast album, and it was in Wisconsin, and that's where I caught my first carp. Yeah, we we used to look at the itinerary and go, "Yeah, there's a river next to the hotel here. There's a lake here." You know, you gotta you gotta try and spend your off time not getting into trouble, especially in those days. You know, and it was a good way to to spend a day off. You know. Yeah. So you were you weren't alone then. You weren't the the lone mm. fisherman in 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 the band or amongst the crew and everything. So you had a bit of company when when you did your fishing when you were touring. A few of us did, yeah. Um, Clive Burr, the uh, drummer, um, sadly no longer with us. Um, he was he was a keen angler. He was a good angler. We used to go. Davy Murray, he'd have a little dabble with us. The other guitarist mm. and a couple of the security guys used to used to go. So yeah, we used to make a day of it. You know, rent a car and and uh, make a bit of an adventure yeah. of it, you know. But you've done all sorts of fishing, isn't it? not just carp, I mean, specimen fishing where you catch all the different ones, and then even sharks. Sure, well, not, I was trying to stay clear of sharks. Uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> I, I do a lot of uh, what you call bone fishing in the, in the tropics, I mean, fishing in shallow water, and sometimes 
if you get a little out of your depth, you you will get sharks come and have a look, you know. And I've had a few close encounters. Um, bears in Canada, we've we've seen bears um, very close quarters uh, out in the interior of um, British Columbia. It's, it's been I've been very lucky enough to to travel not only on with the band, but um, I, I used to enjoy traveling a lot in my off time. Uh, Tasmania, New Zealand, there's a whole chapter about that. Yeah, New Zealand, mm. fantastic unsport fishing paradise i mean the water is is pristinely clean and uh you know there's a lot i wrote about that in the book as well the 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 pictures in the middle of the book are amazing because half of them could be on the cover of kerrang and the other half could be on the cover of angler's mail (laughs) it's you holding a fish or you holding a guitar isn't it (laughs) yeah Yeah. well you know for two passions i started off you know writing about you know a fishing book you know Mm. but I, i found just to uh, incorporate a little bit of the, of the music side made it uh, a yeah. bit more interesting, you know, maybe for people who weren't uh, fanatical fishermen like me, you know. So I, people who've read it, um, mm. who are not fishermen, you know, can sort of enjoy as well. There's, Hopefully. A, there's a few bits as well with the, the two clash. I love the idea that you went fishing with Scott Gorham, the Thin Lizzy guitarist. So that's a, that's a bit of yeah. both, isn't it, really? Yes, Scott, Scott um, got involved in... Uh, uh, a corporate day's fishing down on the River Test. Right. And he rang me up and desperately wanted me to go with him because I knew something about fishing. And he, he was feeling very uncomfortable. He'd never been before. So I just went down for a bit of moral support. But he never took it up, you know, oh, right. unfortunately. Did you ever get anybody to thought, take it up? Go, who would have thought I'd go? Um, no, you know, I do a lot of fishing on my own. Mm. You know, that's what I like about it. I like I like the uh, the peace and quiet. It's only recently I've got back into taking friends and family members, yeah. and uh, yeah, I've 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 encouraged a few people who've, who've sort of uh, lapsed anglers to, to take it up again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know what? That's funny you should say because one of our presenters here, comedian Charlie Baker, he said exactly that he likes. He's he's gone back to fishing, hmm. and he likes going on his own. He likes the solitude of it. He, that's he enjoys that more than anything. And I think you're probably you know as I say, you're definitely not alone in that. A lot of people like it for that reason. Well, you spend so much time uh, running around doing, you know, getting caught up in, you know, modern life. And uh, I think it's a, a great antidote to that, really, you know. Um, and it's it's been great for me, you know. I'm glad my dad uh, introduced me to it when I was yeah. very young. And you introduced, you're uh, a lad to it as well, haven't you? You've got your son fishing as well. Yeah, he goes. He, he likes to come out with me now and again. Yeah, he likes a bit of a dabble. Yeah. Um, and it's great. It's a great way of spending time together. You yeah. know, just get to spend the whole day. Not only the fishing, you're driving, you, you go for something to eat, you have a pint, you know, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun, the book. Uh, some great old tales in there. So um, go and check it out. Adrian Smith's book, Monsters of River and Rock, My Life as Iron Maiden's Compulsive Angler, is uh, published by uh, Virgin Books and is out now in hardback. Our thanks to Adrian. It's uh, Steve 64. It's not bad. He can yeah. still play 90 minutes. No, he was always, uh, always a very good player. I think they used to have these legendary kickabouts with a road crew over the years. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Taskmaster returns tonight. It's in a new home. It's on the Channel 4. Uh, obviously a new uh, collection mm. of comedians and the co-host, creator... Friend of the show, Liverpool and Chesham United fan, Alex Horn makes a welcome return. Alex, good afternoon. Afternoon, Paul and Andy. How are you doing? Yeah, good we're things, good, Alex. thank you. Well, it's, it's good to have the show back. And how difficult has it been to to make a kind of uh, sort of 
COVID version of the show and, and, and the tasks? It's been all right, thank you. Yeah, it, we um, because we moved to Channel 4, we had to have a little break anyway, so a year-long break from the screen. So we, we managed to film a lot of stuff before March, right. and we... There's a handful of tasks we've done since, and you'll see on screen the moments when that's happening. So there's a bit of touching, and then there's a bit of two-meter distance. Yeah. Uh, the studio was the difficult bit. That's where we've, we had to change things. So Greg and I are far apart. He can't sort of reach me anymore, which is a relief. But there's no, uh, there's no audience. We, we, we yeah. filmed it and then showed it to a cinema full of people, well, half full of people. And uh, I think <laughs> we ended up with something we're really happy with, and it's, it's, it reflects the world we're in, but it's a massive distraction from it. That's okay. the idea. Mm, well, I, the, the first question I should have asked, because look, you know what it's like. Not everybody will watch the channel it was on before, but they will watch Channel Four. And there may be some people out there—not many after this many series, I would think—who don't know what Taskmaster is. So, in a nutshell, Alex, maybe you could you could uh, explain it to us. I can have a go. I'm still not <laughs> very good at this. But Greg Davis, the mountainous Greg Davis, mm-hmm. is the Taskmaster. I'm his little assistant, and we set tasks to five comedians. And they come to this little house one at a time. They never see each other. They never know how each other's done. And it seems like get the most tears in an egg cup, something like that. They've got 20 minutes to do it. Uh, then they do another one. And eventually they do about 40. And eventually they come to the studio. They meet for the first time. Tell them how they got on. And Greg casts acerbic judgment on them. And there's no script. There's no uh, warning. It's all, it's all completely real. So you see these comedians script there and occasionally showing genius but mostly idiocy <laughs> the task I mean, you you Clearly create yes that's it <laughs> you create the task and they are ingenious i mean that must take a bit of work i mean nine series worth you've done so far well i appreciate you saying that but i would say you know you do a radio show every day that must that must take a bit of work it does. you know it's, <laughs> it doesn't it's, it's kind of it's why i do people i get a lot of well not a lot of credit but some people think it's uh must be so hard coming up with all these tasks but um there, there are worse jobs. I just sit in my uh, bath <laughs> with a waterproof notepad and scribble down silly ideas. And then, then these comedians come along and uh, bring them to life. Now, this, this series, mm. you line up Daisy May Cooper, people who know from this country, Johnny Vegas, right. of course, Catherine Parkinson from the IT crowd, uh, Richard Herring, um, and also Marwan Rizwan, who's done, we've seen him on TV doing lots of stand up. Um, so, uh, a good lineup. Yeah, great lineup. It, well, I always hope it's in a great lineup because we you don't really know what the, how they're going to react. But um, we're just looking for five de- five different personalities, and we've definitely got it this this one. You know, one end Johnny, and well, we, we all know Johnny, but you see you see his uh, tender side a bit more because he's a real artist. Mm, yeah, Potter, isn't he? Really. You see that, and you see his traditional breakdowns. <laughs> and then yeah, Catherine Parkinson, you probably think you know from the IT crowd and so on, but you very rarely see her be herself, and uh, that's quite a revelation. Mm. I very much enjoyed our old friend David Bedil's efforts in the yeah. last series. Yeah. <laughs> he was very funny. He, he wasn't to... particularly yeah. great at it, but he was very you funny. You said he went it. on a bit of a journey because he obviously thought it was going to be quite easy, but then got quite frustrated with it. Yeah, well, I think he's getting quite frustrated with us because we always <laughs> cite him now as someone who was particularly interesting because he's famous for his massive brain. <laughs> But that was very rarely on display. For our show. <laughs> this, is, this is true. But he was very funny. He's one of my favourites, and I, I, I found him so likable. And sort of, uh, you could relate to him a lot more, having seen how he reacts in the crisis, it was which good. is not well. 
it, visually the show it looks good as well and the, and the brake bumpers and all the stuff you do with that and I noticed from the advert that because it's been on day for nine years look at this Alex has had Channel 4 shaved into his chest yeah I, I think that was probably done <laughs> of course done it on the system you haven't actually <laughs> physically done that with your chest hair have you? Not allowed to tell you that. Um, <laughs> but uh, whatever happened, it was. I did have to have something on my chest for the photo. It's not. It's not done digitally afterwards. Oh, okay. I had to wear something, right, uh, to make it look as really, and it was painful. And I, uh, yeah, I, I'm also quite proud of the photos. I down where I live in Chesham, <laughs> I think they target the adverts to make people in the show feel like there's a lot of adverts out for it. So everywhere where I go, I see myself. As do my children, and they are furious. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned Chesham there. I think mm. your, your lad plays for the, mm. the, the club, uh, junior ranks. But I was looking. We were chatting earlier on. I was double-checking which league your local club are in. And yeah. we were quite surprised by just the amount of travelling that Chesham United do. In Chesham's league are, amongst Hayes and Yedding and, and Walton Casuals, mm. relatively local teams, you find... Dorchester, Wimborne, uh, yeah. Merthyr, uh, Truro and Tiverton. <laughs> Truro's and, and, a long way to go. And Paul. I mean, who came up with that league? Yeah. That's blimey. Well, thing. yeah, the last game was against the Swindon Submarines, which is a great name. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's, well, the trouble is with the south of England, it does get quite wide at the bottom, so you have to, <laughs> you have to stretch it. But we look forward to I mean, I, I go when I can, which isn't often enough, but we always try to do one decent away trip a year. Because you know they're the ones that you really look, you really remember. Because you have to stay away. So uh, yeah, they're having a funny season. We're getting big crowds because you can go and watch non-league football. Yeah, uh, but yet, yet to score a goal at home. Oh yeah, I see you're having a bit of a tough, a tough season. I went to a game last weekend, just in one of my local teams, and it was great. It was right. great to just go and see some live football again. And the and it's in- better than ever. Yeah. yeah, they're actually they're ninth, Chesham. They're doing all right. Mm. Um, they're, they're doing all right away from home. But um, yeah, it, honestly, it's the, the feeling in the club. It's better than ever because they've managed to work out how to sell beer in a, you know, a, a regulatory fashion, and everyone feels safe. And it's a chance to see people, but you're outside, you're two meters apart. It's it's sort of win-win until they don't win. Win-win <laughs> draw. Yeah. I've also been enjoying your uh, YouTube channel, Bad Golf, which is uh, oh good, <laughs> basically what it says, isn't it? <laughs> not yeah, not that bad from what I've seen. Oh, it's not great. I've 24 handicap, and I've very rarely played to that. But it's another sport you can do in in these situations. You know, you can get outside and meet three friends and and do something and take your mind off everything. So, you know, I'm I'm really enjoying that. But my playing partner, John Robbins, uh, the comedian, he's getting he's playing a lot of golf because he doesn't have children. And uh, yeah, he he might have to move to a different channel soon. He's getting better. That's the, that's the trouble. Is you don't have, you want you want it to be you, you, you can have a proper battle. But if he starts, you know, if he starts slaughtering, you, it's unless not you've the same. got that professional thing, yeah, the yeah, ball but... the ball tracking thing. I don't know where you buy that. From. All the gear, no idea. Is that <laughs> no, what you're claiming? It, it's good because you can see where the ball's gone with that. It's excellent. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want quite a cheap one, so it sort of guesses where the ball's gone. It's very, very rarely an accurate reflection of it. <laughs> I see. <laughs> and 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 back in the days when I was doing uh, TV burp, Australia did a version of it, and this guy came on who looked nothing like Harry and didn't really act like Harry, but still did that kind of looks to camera thing. They kind of kept elements of it in. Mm. And I bring that up because uh, it's a bit weird to watch, but I bring that up because Taskmaster 
has been sold to different parts of the world. Belgium, Sweden, mm. Spain, Denmark, Finland. Uh, what's Icelandic, amazing. Greg and Alex, like? Is it? Are they, do they oh, kind it's of... it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I get, I get sent these um, tapes of, of their versions of it, and they're always these slightly grotesque versions of us. I mean, they're very charming <laughs> people, I'm sure, but they're, all, they're always massively out of proportion to everyone else. And I'm always... I, I've normally got a moustache and a bow tie and quite a squeaky little voice. Right. And, <laughs> and it's often languages we don't... I've seen the Belgian version in Flemish, so I don't understand a word of it. But I, I find it it's sort of a purer version of the show. You just understand the physical side of it and don't need to worry about the little jokes. So I, I, I'm trying to persuade people to put them on in this country. I think they're very funny. Yeah. And if they're done it in the States, mm. I would imagine that, that would be a market. Or is, that, is it culturally a bit weird for them? We had a go. The States have flirted with us. Mm. Um, I, I did a, a one-series over there with a different taskmaster, a guy called Reggie Watts. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, James Corden's house band. Mm. Uh, it didn't quite hit the spot. It, a few changes. Yeah, I learned a lot. I had a nice six weeks <laughs> away from the family. <laughs> so I think, you know, we'll... We'll keep trying. Yeah, don't worry. They, it's, it's, it, is, it is a British program, I think. They love it in Reykjavik. That's all that matters. That's the exactly. thing. <laughs> is it all still shot in Chiswick? I was recognising your part the of the world. Yeah, is yeah. it all that's where they, they come yeah. out? They're trying to get Standard you involved. Dukes in. Meadow and all that. Yeah. Yeah, a nice little bit of local knowledge yeah, we, there for Bob and our bro. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we've not we've not changed it for Channel Four. They've been very true to their word, and they're, they're just delivering the show that people hopefully still want. Good stuff. Brilliant. So nine o'clock tonight, yeah. Alex, uh, on Channel Four for the next. How is it? Ten weeks or? Yeah, up to Christmas, pretty much. And there's Brilliant. a. I have to tell you, there's a there's a podcast the following day, a sort of post match analysis with Ed Gamble, and there's a, a sort of family friendly version on Sunday afternoons on E E4 because a lot of kids watch it now. And there's a a bleak version uh-huh. uh, 5.45 on Sunday I think it's 6 o'clock from now on but um, yeah, I think that's a good idea The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport A lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. A lot of talk last night in the wake of uh, Harry Maguire's uh, sending off of uh, just how much he's struggling. Didn't have the best of games against Spurs. It's not really been happening for him at all. The stuff that went over on in Greece uh, over the summer and it would appear on the face of it that he's uh, that's very much on his mind. Um, uh, we thought we would chat to Gary Bloom, who brought us uh, on the sporting couch mm. here on TalkSport. He's uh, a sports psychologist and works with a number of football clubs and, and individual players as well. Good afternoon, Gary. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good to speak to you. Thank yeah. you for having me on the show. Uh, it's a pleasure, yeah. yeah. I mean, we thought we would certainly turn to you today because uh, there's two schools of thought. And, and Jamie Redknapp sort of voiced the alternative last night on Sky that... He said there are players that, that will want to play through this and will keep going until they come out the other side. Something we touched on with Emil Heskey. And because, you know, being on the pitches <clears throat> is their escape, their salvation from everything else that's kind of on their mind at the moment. And there are others that maybe need a bit of a break from the game. I mean, you've probably encountered both kinds out and about at different football clubs. Yeah, I think uh, Jamie Redknapp's absolutely right. I, I, I don't know Harry McQuire, I never worked with him. Um, so it all depends on the individual psychology of the individual player. Look, we all respond to uh, trauma and difficulty in different ways, uh, and that's all of us, whether you're a sports person or not. Uh, and it depends on what is best for Harry Maguire. My feeling is that if it's possible for him to get some sort of psychological help to find out what he needs right now, whether he needs to come out the Manchester United team, whether he needs to uh, lose the captain's armband for a while, or he needs to actually, uh, as they'd say in the football club, crack on and play more games. The problem is if you put a player who is psychologically uh, in a difficult situation into a game and something happens in that game that might not be his fault but could be his fault, people are bound to point the finger and say, ah, you should have rested him. So in some respects, you're a hostage to fortune if you play him in a big game, as Manchester United have at the weekend against Newcastle, and something happens around Maguire, people are bound to say, look, Ollie got it wrong, he should have dropped him. Yeah, it just compounds it. I mean, it's difficult for a manager, but maybe you should take the decision out of Harry Maguire's hands. But they they tend to sort of say, well, leave it up to the player. He wants to play, so we should let him play. That's kind of the way football goes, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, this sort of brings to mind a conversation I had with a football manager who said to me, would you like to be in a position to pass a player psychologically fit to play? And I said, no, I wouldn't. That would be awful. It would put a lot of pressure on me. Mm. And it's almost like the manager's taking away the responsibility of deciding himself. Mm. But somebody has to make a call that whether Harry's in a good state of mind. And, and my experience is that when... Um, when something like this happens, it's a relatively short period of time with a psychologist or a psychotherapist that can turn this, these people around. This is not long-term work. But if you think about the incident at Mykonos and the unfortunate uh, legal implications of that, um, and if you think of that as a kind of PTSD incident, this, this, uh, this mm. trauma that he might have experienced... Has that ever been dealt with psychologically? And we all are very, very prone to not being able to do our jobs particularly well if we've had some sort of trauma. That, to me, looks like a trauma that may not have been dealt with, but I'm just guessing. What, what might be the process at a club like Manchester United? Say he reports back to Manchester United. Would Ole say, 
I think it would be good, Harry, if you went and had a chat with, you know, whoever is the sports psychologist at Manchester United, or he may want to go and have a conversation. And then would the sports psychologist talk to the manager? Would they have a conversation after that? And then would they decide on that basis? Well, Paul, you put your finger on a huge problem inside English football because I've spoken to international footballers who said the last person they would ever admit they had a problem to is the club psychologist <laughs> because they were terrified that, that whatever was said in that session would come back to the manager. And that's why they often come outside the club to people like me. And mm. one, the, one, one football I worked with, very famous in international footballer, said, how, the first thing he said to me was, how do I know you're not going to ring up my manager and say exactly what I'm going to tell you? And I said, well, by the laws of my profession, I'm not allowed to. But it's interesting that that was the first question he asked me when he shook my hand and met me. Wow. So that, that, that doubt, that uncertainty is going to swim around football clubs. And uh, there have been some high-profile examples of confidences which have been broken, which have landed the players in hot water. So there's a whole question of trust. And that's why uh, I often work with football agents who will ring me up and say, look, I've got a player who's really struggling. Gary, can you give us a hand? And as I said before, Paul and Andy, it's, it's, it's a quite a relatively quick turnaround if the player's prepared to engage in the process. So the idea of the sports psychologist being an extension of the staff, that, that's not really a situation there. I mean, you kind of sense that, that that could be the case, but it clearly isn't because they, they fear that going, there's still players out there who feel going to the sports psychologist, speaking to them is a sign of weakness. weakness yeah. Correct, you've got it. But I, I work in a football club at Oxford where we have worked very, very hard around this, but my early days there were beset by this problem, by players saying, well, if I tell you this, how do I know you're not going to tell the manager? And it's only by being in the club for now, what, a couple of years, I've been able to prove by what I do and how I do it. That just isn't the case. But if there's a serious incident of what we call safeguarding, people's own, uh, not only mental health, but physical safety is at risk, that is, throws a completely different aspect into the work. So if I thought the player might damage himself or was being damaged by somebody else, I would have to say to the player, look, we're going to have to report this together. But I never go behind the player's back and do that. It's something we do with the player's uh, agreement. That's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Football is a game. It's very strong on mental health and preaches good mental health to its players. But the culture within the clubs it doesn't seem to tally with that, Gary. You, you couldn't have put it more accurate. It's, it's, it's a football more than rugby, more than cricket, more than any other sport. Would be players are very, very nervous of what we call vulnerability, putting your hand up saying, I'm struggling, chaps. I don't know what I'm doing. And I, from the outside, and we're all, you know, we're all guessing about what's going on with Harry Maguire, it looks like there's somebody who's struggling with maybe something you and I know nothing about. He might have other personal issues going on in his life. And I'm always absolutely amazed when I work with a player and you're thinking, oh, it's bound to be this. It's his loss of form. He hasn't scored or he's been injured. Then a bombshell will suddenly drop into the conversation. And I often walk away from those meetings and think, how would anybody know that? So you, you and I mm. don't know what's going on in the private life of anybody. And the thing I always, when I was being trained in this profession, somebody said, remember, we are all fighting a battle that nobody else can see. Mm. And I reckon that's Harry Maguire's story as well. Mm. Very interesting, Gary. Thanks, Thanks Gary. for joining us. All the best. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Bye-bye. Sports uh, psychotherapist yeah. there, Gary Bloom.
I was thinking about him last night, actually, because I've got this... And I want this to happen, but I've got this feeling that Ruben Loftus-Cheek's going to turn out for Fulham. He's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And I think, you didn't need to go on loan. Just go and see Gary. Sometimes <laughs> it can be a change of environment. Yeah, just taking the pressure off when it's, it's not co- working in one place. I think it's a co- confidence issue. Well, at the bottom line is he's still your player, so whatever happens. Yeah, no, you know, I hope it goes really well He's much it, loved sure, at the club so and the manager fans. backs him, so he'll, hmm. he's no doubt he'll come back stronger. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. So, uh, Andy, um, what do you want to say then? What do you want to get off your chest today? Well, I don't know if you saw this, Paul. New Nike kits for Liverpool, Tottenham and Chelsea oh, yeah. are each made from 18 plastic bottles destined for the landfill. I thought, oh, it's not a metaphor for our season. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just praise my club? I don't oh, often yes. do this, but let yeah. me just praise my club. Um, they uh, Every year, I'm sure every everybody's club, if you're a season ticket holder, they like to give you a little gift pack uh, with, with your with your season ticket or they send it first and uh, it, I'm sure the kids love it because it has various things in it and the little sort of might have some pictures of the ground and mm. I mean with respect um, pictures it, of the ground do you know what I mean we'd get a key ring or a, something that holds your mobile phone which was very useful when we were doing the shows in lockdown because that's how I was able to look at you thanks my but to, you know with respect it was toot, you know. It was it was just a pile of old toot in a bag. I mean, I'm sure they sourced it and they put a lot of work and they felt they put a lot of time into it. But they asked the fans last year, they did a survey, which I, I was part of. I take oh, yeah. part of most. You can't moan about this stuff and then not be involved in oh, any no, of the survey. Really the survey. So yeah. they said, what would you like to see from uh, from the, uh, the, the, the kind of gift yeah. bag you get with your season ticket? And a number of people apparently said... Uh, I'm not sure I was one of them. What about a nice gift voucher for the shop, you know, so we could go mm. out and get something we wanted? And fair play to Tottenham, I've just received in my inbox exactly that. They've said, we listened to your feedback last season and replaced the physical gift packs with this digital gift voucher. So it's a tenner and free delivery for any which is effectively saving you a fiver. Mm. And I thought, that's good, isn't it? Your club listening to you yeah. for a change. You know, that's the way it should be. But it's, it's the way. <laughs> you buy some pictures oh, of the ground. I'm going to buy <laughs> some. I'm going to buy some old took with it. <laughs> I'm going to buy exactly what they would have sent me in that box. But that's not the point. That's not the point. This was my idea. That's good. Yes. Uh, talking of shirts, as I was just before, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but the Liverpool shirt and the Wales shirt, even though they're manufactured by different companies, are so similar. They're both obviously in red. I've They've seen both that, yeah. got that sort of green and white trim slightly the other way round. And it's almost like, you know when you have in a, in a newspaper, spot the difference? You have to spot the difference between the two shirts. Oh, yes, yes, it's yes. Like, it's like one of those. Yeah. And... Um, I don't know if you know this, but shoppers who don't understand sell-by dates and use-by dates waste 78 lettuces a year. Mm. And I was thinking, who eats that much lettuce? Even rabbits don't eat 78 <laughs> lettuces a year. That's very true. It's be ridiculous. I've got a letter. It's a nice letter here at the papers, Andy. I thought you'd like this. Um, I wonder what creativity might be used by drinkers in areas where alcohol may not be consumed with a, without uh, with a sub, may only be consumed, should I say, with a substantial meal, and a lot of people have been doing oh, yeah, that. Yeah, of course, yeah. Some uh, publican yesterday did soup of the day, carling, two pound eighty. <laughs> I don't think you're getting away with that. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And uh, Michael uh, <laughs> Cattle, Michael Cattle from Mollington in Cheshire, wrote to the Telegraph. He said, "I remember a talkie nightclub." Now the producers <laughs> set up. He's interested. I said, "Talkie." Yeah. I remember a talkie nightclub in the sixties with a supper license. Those are the days, oh, yes. which enabled them to serve alcohol on a Sunday night. They overcame the limitations of the restriction by issuing each guest with a triangular ham sandwich that was worn in the top pocket, <laughs> like, a, like a square. <laughs> um, and you'd have it in your suit jacket, and you'd only eat it if the licensing authorities appeared. 
They say, quick sandwich out the top pocket <laughs> the top and then start eating. Oh, so there we are. Anybody, by the end of the evening. Just a little tip for if you find yourself in that situation at the moment. And everybody, football fans, friend, culture, Secretary Oliver Dowden has blasted the Premier League's pay-per-view experiment. He yeah. doesn't think it's a good thing. He said, I wasn't massively impressed. These things jar with the idea of coming together during the period of crisis for the country. What, like people in a theatre as opposed to... Yeah people in the stadium they can't come together but never mind well done you yeah um you see avb he has claimed that gareth bale's success was down to him basically oh, right. okay yeah. no, no one rates avb higher than avb himself he's <laughs> no, tremendous no, that's right he? he said he came to him very upset said it's not working gaffer mm. he said oh no i'll completely restructure the, ch- the team <laughs> to suit you <laughs> and, and that's apparently what he did and that's when Gareth Bale started to uh, fly at that point. I think Harry might beg to differ, <laughs> but uh, and we'll see. You know, sometimes when you're combing the papers, you, you see a headline, you think, oh, this, is, this could be interesting. So the headline was, Beaky is so freaky. I thought, oh, this is going to be about Graham Beecroft. What's he done? Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's a new species of uh, pterosaur with a... a a bizarre-shaped beak has been unearthed. OK, what a great disappointment that story <laughs> was. So. Uh, Gemma Collins, your mate Gemma <laughs> Collins, uh, she does a, a, a podcast, I believe, for the uh, BBC, and in it she says she plans to make robot versions of her parents uh, before they pass on. <laughs> and she also really. plans to make a robot boyfriend and baby, she says. <laughs> uh, I'm going to look into the process of definitely cloning my parents and possibly a boyfriend and a robot she baby. she told Arge? And I think that's very much what Lord Reith had in mind <laughs> all those years ago when he said, educate, <laughs> inform and entertain. Don't you? I think that's, I think that's <laughs> almost... If you're brilliant. looking for uh, the, the, the Reithian philosophy, there it is in a nutshell. Have you heard about Arge's new show? It's uh, basically, he's going to swim the Straits of Gibraltar. Is he? Uh, we'll see him dodge ferries, sharks and jellyfish on the 10-mile swim, which takes t- train swimmers more than four hours. Who's talked him into that? I don't know. It's a mad thing to undergo, but Arge is at his best with a goal in mind. Really? Great. I played football with him and he had the goal in mind there, but he didn't play particularly well. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't watch that. No, well, I'm, I, I don't know if you're the target audience no, much as I'm not for uh, Gemma Collins' Robot Baby podcast, <laughs> if that's what it's called. <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to have a chat with the moose very shortly and round up some of the best of the uh, no, press pay conferences. Pay money to see him swim the Straits of Gibraltar. Yeah, what, I mean, he, he, there was a period, there was a thing we did on the on TalkSport called Challenge... Maybe we'll relive or revisit Challenge Moose, a series they did on Breakfast mm. many years ago. I think quite a lot of the things he did, he's mentally scarred him that he was talked into... <laughs> But this is a man who never shirks a challenge. That's is he? true. Ever. No. So maybe we'll relive some of his uh, finest moments as well as hearing from uh, the players and the managers ahead of the weekend's football. I'm blind. We've got a lot of football. We kick off with Everton Liverpool, 12.30. And then Adrian picks up a game day at 2.30. Then we've got your lot, Andy. Save yourself 15 quid. Yeah. Listen to the game, uh, Chelsea Southampton well, live on technology, That's what I'll end up doing. Yeah. I won't be able to... Work out That's how to it. get the pay-per-view We're bit. Bournemouth, QBR, Borough, Reading, Blackburn, Forest, City, Arsenal, Newcastle, Man United. So loads of live football for you. And then on Sunday, Sheffield oh, United. I wish it was full. a good international match on like the Republic of Ireland versus Finland. <laughs> <laughs> so much better, isn't it? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. Uh, we're back tomorrow from one. <laughs> Um, he's he is, he's an idiot. Uh, so we'll leave it there and uh, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 pm on Talk Sport. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.